You are listening to Killer. This is case number 29, Bart Whitaker. Lock your doors, bolt your windows, and turn off the lights. We're about to begin. The American dream is a national ethos of the United States, a set of ideals, democracy, rights, liberty, opportunity, and equality, in which freedom includes the opportunity for prosperity and success, as well as an upward social mobility for the family and children, achieved through hard work in a society with few barriers. In the definition of the American dream by James Truslow Adams in 1931, quote, life should be better and richer and fuller for everyone with opportunity for each according to ability or achievement, regardless of social class or circumstances of birth. The American dream is rooted in the Declaration of Independence, which proclaims that, quote, all men are created equal, with the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Also, the U.S. Constitution promotes similar freedom in the preamble to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. A family that most would describe as living the American dream, led by the patriarch Kent Whitaker, a successful comptroller for a family-owned construction business, and his wife, Trisha Whitaker, a former school teacher, had two sons, Bart and his younger brother, Kevin. The family lived in the quaint town of Sugarland, Texas, a suburb of Houston. They were a strong Christian family and were very successful. As idyllic as the Whitaker family was, They found themselves dealing with struggles many American families do while raising their children. Bart attended Clements High School. While there, he began burglarizing schools as an adventure with some of his friends. He was eventually caught and sentenced to probation. His family had him see a psychiatrist following the burglaries. A psychologist would later note that Bart was, quote, experiencing the clinical symptoms of a delusional paranoid disorder. Bart's wealthy family was able to help him out as he headed for college. He was given luxury vehicles to drive and a lakeside townhouse in Willis, Texas. Eventually, Bart would go to Baylor University where his parents paid for his tuition. Finally, he would end up transferring from Baylor to Sam Houston University, where he would graduate in 2003. On December 10, 2003, the Whitaker family attended Papado Restaurant to celebrate Bart's accomplishments of completing his last exams and heading for graduation. The family had a nice dinner and gave Bart a $4,000 Rolex as a gift for his hard work. The family then headed home. Once they arrived at their home, Bart realized he left his phone in the car and went to go retrieve it. The family headed inside and were immediately ambushed. Kevin, the younger brother, entered the home first and was greeted with a gunshot to the chest. Trisha followed behind Kevin, and she too was met with a gunshot to the chest. Kent followed behind her and rushed in as the situation was unfolding, only to be shot in the shoulder. Bart followed in after his father, and he was also met with a gunshot to the arm. Kevin died at the scene, and Trisha passed away at the hospital after she was life-flighted from the home. Kent and Bart survived the attack. When questioned, Bart stated the suspect was a black male, and that was all he knew. 
Police were shocked to receive this call. A shooting in Sugarland was something that never happened. As police began their investigation, looking for the suspected burglars, they started to notice things that were a bit strange with what had happened that night. One of the things that stood out was that every dresser drawer in the house was pulled out, but they were all pulled out evenly and the items contained inside were undisturbed, which seemed a bit strange. In addition to this, the burglar left the murder weapon at the scene, a 9mm handgun with four bullets missing from the clip, as well as all the electronics and other valuables. Only one cell phone was missing, and the gun safe had been pried open. The police continued their investigation, trying to find the suspect. Meanwhile, Kent and Bart were released from the hospital. Kent had made up his mind to forgive the shooter because he was a, quote, coward, end quote. Kent and his son spent the vast majority of their time together following the tragedy their family had suffered. The pair studied the Bible and spent quality time together. Late one evening, a friend of Bart Whitaker, Adam Hip, went to the police station in Sugarland. Hip had told authorities that he had been recruited by Bart to kill the Whitaker family. According to investigators, Hip's version of the story included a plot that was identical to what actually happened at the Whitaker home on December 10, 2003. Police checked out Hip's story and were able to verify it. They immediately began contacting Kent and suggesting he should leave his home. They didn't feel he was safe, but Kent refused. Police Sergeant Marshall Slot recalled telling Kent, We feel wholeheartedly that he is responsible for this, and that you are living with a murderer, and that you are living with a man who intended to murder you. Investigators continued down the rabbit hole of what had happened that night. No fingerprints were recovered and the scent dogs tracked the suspect's scent to a dead end outside of the front of the home. A journalist eventually uncovered a very interesting piece of information. Bart never graduated college. He never even attended classes at Sam Houston University. The alarm bells were firing at every turn, yet there still wasn't any concrete information to tie Bart to the murders of his family members. Bart Whitaker had been plotting his next move for some time. It was an offhand comment from a busboy working at the local country club that gave him the idea to flee the country. As the heat started to turn up on him, Bart bolted to Mexico seven months after the murders. Bart began looking into it and soon he spent a few thousand dollars and had a new identity and a new life in Mexico as Rudy Rios. As the police investigation continued, they uncovered some other pertinent information regarding Bart. He had already plotted to murder his family once before. Kent and Patricia had heard rumors that Bart was planning to have them killed. It was 2001, and Bart was attending Baylor at the time. A college friend of his tipped off the Whitakers to Bart's plot to take them out. When confronted, Bart told his family it was just a joke and a misunderstanding, and they believed him. Rudy Rios began finding friends in Mexico and eventually wound up going to church. He met a woman named Cindy Lou Salinas, and the pair struck up a relationship. Their relationship was very serious, and the family loved Rudy, also known as Bart. He even hired him to work in the family's furniture store. While Rudy was living his best life in Mexico, authorities were still trying to piece together the events of that night with the information they knew now. However, the case was growing cold until August 2005. A neighbor of Bart's named Stephen Champagne told police that he wanted to come clean about what he knew relating to this case. Champagne told investigators that Bart set up the crime and lured his family to dinner to celebrate his fake graduation. While the Whitakers celebrated their son's achievements, Champagne waited in a car outside in the parking lot. A second accomplice, 
Chris Brashear was hiding in Bart's SUV outside of his home. When the family left, Chris exited the vehicle and entered the house with a key and disabled the alarm, all provided by Bart. Champagne followed the group home after dinner and parked nearby and waited. Brashear would recall that night stating, Bart's brother walked in first, and when he shot Kevin just before, he believed that he smiled at him, thinking that it was a prank. Then, Chris shot his mom and then his father. Finally, Bart walked in and the pair staged a fake confrontation, which ended with an intentional shot to Bart's shoulder. A few moments later, Brashear joined Champagne in the car and bolted. The motive for the pair to help Bart annihilate his family was that the Whitakers were worth a lot of money, and Bart planned to cash in on their deaths. He promised his accomplices millions of dollars. With a confession in hand, police still had nothing to physically tie Bart to the crimes. But that would all change when Champagne offered up the location where the pair had ditched the evidence from that night. It was a bag thrown into a nearby lake from the bridge above. Police searched the lake and were able to find the bag, and in it, they were able to get DNA off of a water bottle, which tied Chris Brashear to the contents of that bag. One of the items in the bag was a badly damaged cell phone, which was able to be restored thanks to a data reconstruction lab in the UK. It pointed to Bart as the owner of the phone. Investigators began searching for Bart when they discovered he had bolted to Mexico. Sergeant Slot received a phone call from a busboy at the local country club, the one that gave Bart the idea to head south. His name? Rudy Rios. Rudy told Slot that he sold Bart his identity and helped him escape. Bart was arrested in Mexico without incident on September 22, 2005. Bart was sentenced by a jury to death by lethal injection in March 2007. Brashear, the shooter, received life in prison without parole, and the getaway driver, Champagne, received 15 years. In what would be a somewhat surprising twist in this case, the Texas Board of Pardons and Paroles unanimously recommended that the death sentence be commuted to life in prison without the ability for parole. And on February 20, 2018, Governor Greg Abbott approved the recommendation and based his decision on the fact that Whitaker did not directly murder his family and that his father, Kent, quote, insists that he would be victimized again if the state put to death his last remaining immediate family member, end quote. Whitaker would respond by saying, quote, I am thankful for this decision, not for me, but for my dad, end quote. Let's d- break this down and discuss this in depth because this is an insane story. and. The first place I wanted to start was by starting with the American dream. So many people in this country, when you come here or if you're from here originally, you hear about the American dream. It's the, you know, big house, white picket fence, family, you know, everyone's always outside in the perfectly manicured lawn and whatnot. Um, This family had it all. They were the American dream. They're what everyone aspires to be, whether you pretend to or not, you know, you most likely would love to have enough money to, to give your kid a $4,000 Rolex, you know, if, if you felt like it. Now, not all people are like that, but a lot of people are. And that's kind of what that's about. And this family had all that. And Bart wasn't content. He didn't feel like he didn't feel like he was, you know, fulfilled in some way. And, and clearly he'd been given everything in his life. And so when he gets to the point where it's about time for college, he actually plots to have his family murdered when he's in college before the fake graduation. Now, I know you didn't spend a ton of time researching this case. 
what did you make of that when you first heard it? I think it's it's definitely a crazy twist that he faked his graduation and they had a celebration and this was all staged. But to go back to just somebody that has this much privilege and has this much in their life, it sounded like their family was very successful and they really were willing to give Bart essentially whatever he wanted. They were proud of his, you know, so-called accomplishments. They weren't really accomplishments in the fact that he faked his graduation, but really in the end, they, he was, you know, it sounded like he was a respected part of that family and they really appreciated his accomplishments and what he was doing and what were willing to give him anything. And that just, to me, is crazy that he would plot to kill his, his entire family because they were worth millions of dollars. I don't know what, what drives a person to do that because he already has everything he wants. What is the motivating factor to, to off his entire family just to get the rest of their money? Well, plot twist to the plot twist, right? So the event happens, it goes down. But what we didn't talk about in the story is his dad survived and he wasn't supposed to, and that ruined everything. So imagine a world where Kent is actually murdered. Now what happens? Does Bart take over the family fortune and then dole out his millions to his buddies? Or does this get even weirder? Does he actually ever pay those guys? You know what I mean? Like, what do you think would have happened had events turned out slightly differently where Kent loses his life and Bart's actually able to make that claim on that life insurance money and get access to all of their other money? If someone is willing to kill their entire family to get their money, there's no way he's sharing it with those guys. I think he already had the plan established and it was already premeditated that he was going to go to Mexico, change his identity, and with hopes of having those millions of dollars that he was going to get from his family, never to be heard from again. And I don't think there's any way he would have paid those guys that helped him do it. I'm not sure. I kind of feel like he would have paid them because, I mean, you'd be kind of stupid not to. You just talked some dudes into going into your house and offering your entire family without any upfront money or anything. So this dude just goes in and commits murder, kills two people, attempted murder on a third, and they even stage that fake fight in front of his dad who, you know, does watch it happen, sees the struggle, and then they shoot Bart in the arm on purpose. I mean, this sounds like the plot of a a movie to me, you know, like it, it sounds so far-fetched and concocted like this would never happen in real life and then sure enough here we are it's real life and it's happening i i can see that side of it i guess he may have paid them just to to get rid of them too that way he doesn't have to worry about them you know kind trying to trail him wherever he may end up going and and trying to end up killing him in the end too because they obviously weren't afraid to to like you said they staged the confrontation and they shot him already in the arm so what's to say if he didn't pay them that they're going to try to do everything they can to track him down? If they don't pay him, they'll just end up killing him too. Yeah, I mean, we never know. Like the the killer in this case could have still gone in and confessed to this later. The only way to keep a secret is if you tell a man and, and then he's dead and only one man left, you know? <laughs> you, can't, you never know. if it, There's always a possibility of that one person that was out there that was involved, you know, spilling the beans later on. So there's no guarantee that even though this plan goes off as, as it was supposed to, so if Kent actually passed away here, that they still get away with it later because, you know, who knows? These guys could easily, you know, rat him out, 
especially if he doesn't take care of them, like you said, they were going to, you know, so they have to be very careful because those killers still took that, that stuff and still ditched it, you know, and at the time I don't, they probably didn't know that Kent didn't die. They probably assumed he was dead. Right. And not to say as well as if authorities would still investigating this murder, you know, it, it could have remained open for quite some time. They could have uncovered a piece of evidence later down the road that, that eventually pointed back to them. So I don't, it was a very elaborate scheme on Bart's part to disappear and re-identify, but don't you think that throws up some serious red flags too? Like seven months after his family is, his entire family is nearly wiped out. He disappears seven months later. I would think that that would throw up some huge red flags. It did. Uh, Sergeant Slot was interviewed later on and when he was talking about this and they got tipped off to the fact that he had bolted to Mexico, they started to really get suspicious. And they already had some suspicion at this point, but they were like, okay, well, why are you running? You know, clearly you're guilty of something, but they couldn't, you know, they had to figure it out. And, you know, some of these events as they're unfolding, the way that I chose to tell this story, it's not maybe an exact order by design, but there's some things that overlap you know, as they're kind of trying to untangle the investigation and figure things out. And so as they're going through it, you know, they discover Bart had already tried to murder his family one time, but the parents wrote it off as just a joke or, you know, like he said, you know, oh, you know, we were just kidding. It was a misunderstanding. So essentially, I didn't dig into that piece a ton, but my assumption or understanding of that is he was at college. He was trying to recruit some buddies to murder his family. But when the family finds out, he just writes it off as, ah, oh, we were out drinking and then we were just, you know, talking shit. This is what happened, you know, and the family bought it, which was kind of interesting to me. I mean, I guess, what would you do if you found out your son was trying to formulate a murder plot against you? I mean, if he was persuasive enough of a talker, I guess he could have talked his way out of it and said, yeah, it's just a joke. I don't know. I mean, definitely you're alarmed at first. Like, where does this even come from? Right. Like I said, it's a privileged family. They have lots of money. They're giving this kid or this person anything they want. And, you know, in the back of their mind, they would think to themselves, possibly, why, why would he even want to do this? He has everything he wants. Why would he want you know, to take this level of aggression and take everything else we have. I I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking into it a little bit too far. But one thing you said too is he's recruiting buddies and and saying stuff at college and it gets back to his parents. It didn't sound like he was afraid to spout off at the mouth about what he was doing because he also said something to that busboy at the local country club, hey, I'm going to disappear to Mexico and go south. And then that bus boy had called him out on it, which is weird. So I, I think he eventually probably would have gave himself up at some point. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, then he goes to Mexico and assumes that identity of Rudy Rios, which is kind of strange because he's like, oh, just a, a white boy. Like, I don't know how you go to Mexico and assume an identity of a Mexican and then you'd look nothing like a Mexican. Which is kind of, but when he's there, you know, he starts taking over, uh, you know, a whole new life and he's working for his girlfriend's daddy, like, you know, gets into a relationship. Now, my question the whole time was, did he already know how to speak Spanish fluently and just went to Mexico? Like, no problem. Like, how did that work out? I would think since that was part of his 
so-called master plan to escape to Mexico that he he possibly did know Spanish. You would almost have to, unless he, unless there's some facts that are missing that we didn't know about ahead of time, where he had already had this planned out for quite some time and knew where he was going to go and kind of the area, and maybe he had already visited there and know that Spanish wasn't 100% required. I'm not sure, but you would think that he would have to know a little bit to kind of acclimate himself to that new environment. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was thinking was like he had to have some level of knowing the language at some degree to feel confident enough to bolt there, you know, and and start a whole new life. But you never know. I mean, maybe he didn't because I, I just wonder what he was planning to do once he had the money if his dad didn't survive. Was he planning to take off anyway to try not to be tracked or was he planning to stay in Sugarland and not not move away at all and just live life as usual? Yeah, those are all great questions. And just think about this for a second. Your your family suddenly passes away and you inherit millions of dollars, but yet you want to disappear and start a new identity. How difficult is it to relocate that kind of money to an account where it is accessible, especially in a foreign country and everything that goes around that? It's not just a you're not just going to go to the bank and withdraw your millions of dollars, put them in a suitcase and go to Mexico. You're never going to get there with it. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, if his father had passed away, it would have all been done on the up and up because they would have thought that his thought was, you know, they're not going to look into me. I got shot. And so clearly I had nothing to do with it. And then he can just withdraw and move money around as usual, you know, business as usual at that point. And that wouldn't raise any red flags unless he decided to suddenly cash out like everything he had and then move doing it legally. But still like if you decided to then suddenly cash it all out and take off, that's going to raise a red flag too. Yeah, for sure. It just, it seems like his plan was only about 75% thought out. Like he didn't have contingency plans for, Hey, what if one of the family members don't die? What if they don't shoot him and actually kill them? And if I go here, you know, disappearing, what does that red flag look like? It sounds like he he had a pretty solid plan, but it wasn't 100% locked down. Right, yeah, he needed more. He needed to make sure that those guys made sure that nobody survived, and they didn't, you know. They just, and honestly, if if they've never killed anyone before, like, they probably didn't think to go back and double-check that everyone was gone, you know, and... As morbid as that sounds, they were probably rushing through it, nervous and scared and doing their thing and then taking off, you know, not making sure all the loose ends were tied up. I'm sure that's exactly what happened when in the heat of a situation like that, your adrenaline is rushing and you're not, you're not thinking clearly, you know what you have to do, but you don't have the train of thought that, Hey, I need to really confirm what I just did was successful you want to get it done and you want to get out because in the back of your mind, you're constantly, I mean, these are gunshots going off in a house. You're going to be constantly worried about who hears this. Is someone calling 911? Are the cops on the way? You just want to get in, get out. Exactly. You don't have time to be hanging out. And they didn't bring their own weapons. They they broke into the gun safe that was at the home. So it's not like, you know, they were able to bring their own weapons and they knew like, you know, every detail about them and knew that you know, or, or brought a silencer with them, which is highly unlikely, but you know what I mean? Like they didn't have any of that stuff at their disposal, which 
would have made the situation a little bit better for them, I guess. But yeah, they wanted to make it look like it was a robbery. And then when they staged the robbery, they didn't even do that right because they pulled out every single drawer, didn't touch anything. <laughs> like some bizarre, like who would do that? That, you know, if I was going to stage a robbery, I'm going through knocking stuff over, you know, I'm having a blast. I'm in there just like destroying the house. Right. And it had to be a chaotic scene too, to add to that, that whole situation. You're, blowing them away right when they walk in the front door. Likely the door's not even closed. You're just ambushing them right in the door. So it just had yeah, to be Yeah, it wasn't closed. They, um, the family was walking through the door, and each one of them was getting picked off, like, one at a time. So, like, and, and each person after the first, you know, one ahead of them was getting shot was, like, coming in to be like, what's going on? Like, it was, you know, one of those, like, what the hell's happening? You're, like, so confused. Like, I, I hear this noise, and what the heck is what's going on? And like, and you have to remember, like they have an alarm system too, and it never went off. So they're probably not thinking anyone's actually in the home. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah. They, I would think that the first person in obviously doesn't know what's happening. They get totally blindsided, but then the second person's like, yeah, what the hell's going on? They rush in to see what's going on. But then that, that third person, you know, I, I don't know. It, it's just strange. I wouldn't go towards gunfire, but you, if, like you said, if you don't know what's happening, you totally don't expect somebody to be in your house. And if they are, you would think that the alarm system had triggered and they would have already been scared away. It just Right. Yeah. You just hear these loud noises and you know, you're outside, they're inside. You don't actually see what happened. Like you don't see that the person fell to the ground or whatever. You don't see the bullet. You just hear a loud noise, and like I said, your alarm never went off, which you would expect that it would if someone was in your home. But Bart had accounted for that by having the guy go in with a key and then disable the alarm, giving him the code. So it was so much oddness going on, and no one really talked about that in the investigation side of things. Nobody even asked, like, well, why didn't your alarm go off? Unless they, unless the guys, you know, the family said, like, we don't remember if we armed it when we left or something like that and they just brushed it off but it would be one very strange thing to have the alarm and it just never went off right yeah just just a complete and total chaotic scene for sure what do you think about uh bart's sentence his death sentence getting commuted to life in prison without the possibility of parole i mean he even come out and said you know i'm thankful that this happened for my father's sake because he's already lost so much with what happened yeah, so his dad had talked a lot about forgiving the shooters before he knew that it was his own son. And he was saying, you know, I can't hold on to this anger for my whole life. I need to forgive forgive them and I can move on. Otherwise, I'll just carry this with me. Then he finds out it's his son and he still forgives him. And he lobbies the parole board on behalf of his son not to take him away because he's, you know, saying like, I'll be victimized again. And that's an interesting way of looking at it. I mean, I would that takes a really big person in my mind. I, I don't know that I could do that, it, family or not. If you turned on me like that and tried to have me murdered and then spent seven months with me like closely, didn't say a word about it. I had to find out about it through your buddies leaking it. They couldn't hold on onto the secret. Like, man, he'd be lucky I didn't strangle him. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I don't know. That's just, that's a situation that's hard to speak on. Because you can't imagine, you can't put yourself in his father's shoes or anyone else for that matter that has something similar to them happen. You can kind of speculate on how you would feel, but it's just to actually be in that situation, be in that position. 
I, I, I can't even imagine the thoughts that would run wild in your mind and, and how you would process all of that. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's just something that, you know, it just takes a really big person to, to go through all that and then forgive their son f- for all of that stuff. But, you know, good on him. That being said, I think uh, that's a wrap for this week's case. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for subscribing. And we will catch you next time. Stay safe.